You are listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, where it's all about responding with confidence to the legal, financial, and personal challenges created by disability, unexpected illness, or simply aging in general. Join us weekly as elder law attorneys Tim Takis, Barbara McGinnis, Chris Johnson, and other members of the Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law Team talk about the tools, techniques, strategies, and services that will make the elder care journey easier for everyone involved. Get ready, because aging starts now. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode number 97 of Aging Starts Now. I'm Barbara McGinnis, partner and certified elder law attorney at Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law. Today, we're talking about conservatorships. Joining me for the discussion is attorney Amy Willoughby Bryant, the director of the Office of Conservatorship Management. Welcome, Amy. Thank you for having me, Barbara. Oh, I'm so glad you were able to do this. What does the Office of Conservatorship Management do? The Office of Conservatorship Management is a second level of oversight for conservators for Davidson County. So we provide welfare visits uh, for those under conservatorship. We do financial reviews and financial audits for conservators or of conservators. And we provide resources and training for conservators and those under conservatorship. You know, Amy, I know what you're talking about, but I wonder if our all of our listeners will know. When you say you're the second layer of oversight, who's the first? So the first level of oversight uh, is the clerk's office, and that's by statute. Um, so every conservator has the responsibility to follow statute. So they're responsible for providing a status report every year, uh, naming themselves, the person with the disability, and uh, what their condition is, and if they continue to require conservatorship and where each of them are located. And then some conservators over property are required to provide accountings or an inventory um, for how they're managing a person's finances. And so the clerk's office is the entity responsible for taking that information in and reviewing it. And our office takes it a step further. We review the information provided by the conservator, but we also contact the financial institutions directly and get information directly from them to make sure that the information provided by the conservator is accurate. So do do you do that for all of the conservatorships in Davidson County? We do that for every conservatorship in Davidson County that require accountings. Um, There are about 320 conservatorships in Davidson County that require accountings. And then there are about 2,400 total conservatorships in Davidson County um, that for the entire county. Okay. So you do the accounting. So second line oversight, you do some auditing of the accountings, basically, by contacting these third-party financial institutions, verifying information, and then a wellness check. What's a wellness check look like? So we have a partnership with Metro Social Services. um, And so their employees report to me. And the way that it works is we request the medical report or the medical uh, information for the person with the disability. Uh, We review that information to make sure the person uh, has been taken to the doctor and uh, has uh, meds or everything is up to date with them. Uh, Then we schedule an interview with the conservator 
And then we do a, a home visit with the person with a disability so that we can lay eyes on them. Um, mm-hmm. Since COVID has happened, uh, right. we haven't been out to the home of many individuals. We have been to the home of some, uh, but we've been doing those reviews with Zoom or FaceTime or some sort of uh, video uh, mechanism so that we could see the person with a disability. And mm-hmm. if, if a person doesn't have either of those, we've been requesting pictures with proof of life. So with either um, a newspaper or something that shows the date so that we can see the person with a disability on that particular day. Um, and that's how we've been doing that welfare review. And so if we have any concerns or if my staff has any concerns, we report that information to the court. Okay, so and and you do that every year or how often? So it really depends. So there are a number of ways that can be done. Uh, the probate court judge, he pulls or his staff pulls 50 conservatorships every quarter for us to review. In addition mm-hmm. to that, uh, we take credible informant calls. So anyone can call our office and ask for a review or provide us with some information and we'll determine if that we need to do um, a welfare review for that individual or there could be direct judicial referrals that come to us from the court um, that may be one where an ind- a conservator hasn't provided the status report and um, the conservator didn't show up for the show cause. So then the judge will order our office to do a review of that case. Cause I, I know judge Kennedy takes this very seriously and I, I don't, so it doesn't surprise me that Davidson County has this Office of Conservatorship Management, but it is unique, right? I mean, most counties do not have this. That is correct. There is no other county within the state of Tennessee uh, that has an Office of Conservatorship Management. Um, there's actually not an office of this kind in any of the surrounding states either. Um, I am endeavoring to change that, uh, trying to get uh, a statewide Office of Conservatorship Management established through the courts uh, so that the level of oversight that we have in Davidson County is extended to those in the other 94 counties within the state. I know. I think it's really important. It it just, it it helps make most, I think most people want to do right if they're going through the trouble of doing a conservatorship, but it is just an extra layer of security to make sure that people are being well taken care of and there are assets used appropriately. So, Right. We try to be proactive in our ap- approach and the courts mm-hmm. by default have to be reactive to the information that's provided to them. So we review uh, every case with the financial accounting every year. We'll do a review of that case. And then we review all of the motions that are filed by a conservator. And sometimes we'll do cursory reviews um, of the cases just for compliance. Um, Not that the courts won't get around to it at some point, um, but since we have a database of all the conservatorships in Davidson County, we have the ability to do additional things since our sole focus is on conservatorships and the clerk's office has other functions. You know, we've been talking about conservatorships. Maybe we should just... Um, well, we've been talking about it like everybody knows what we're talking about. <laughs> when does somebody need a conservatorship? Okay. So the first thing I get asked most of the time is what is a conservatorship? And so uh, in the most basic of terms, a conservatorship is when the court appoints an adult 
to make decisions for another adult that doesn't have the ability to make decisions for themselves. And so in the state of Tennessee, you can have a conservator over person over their person. And so you would make decisions regarding their day to day, their medical uh, decision making and even where they live. Uh, or you could be conservator over their property where you'd be making decisions regarding their assets um, and any contracting uh, that that person may have to do. Um, or you could be conservator over both. So you can have um, a person that needs a conservator for their person and their property. Fortunately, in the state of Tennessee, we also have limited conservatorships, which I've learned recently are quite unique within the United States. And so a person's conservatorship in the state of Tennessee is tailored to their individual needs, um, whereby in some states like Florida, for instance, you a conservator is appointed and every right of that person is taken away from the person with the disability and given to their conservator. So there are no bifurcated um, conservatorships uh, in Florida. So we have that here in Tennessee. And, well, and not just the bifurcation between property and person, but, you know, actually challenge to what is the least restrictive that we can do. So while the statute gives us a long list of rights that we can take, we don't have to. Right. I mean, That's correct. We don't have to, actually judges to pick out just what we need. Right. Right. And that's fortunate for us. Um, and so each judge uh, in the state of Tennessee and specifically Judge Kennedy and Judge McClendon, who does the emergencies here in Davidson County, um, have the ability to provide the least restrictive uh, conservatorship for that person with a disability. So if a person can make certain decisions for themselves, um, then that right won't be taken away from them. Now, in our practice, when someone, when a prospective client comes to us and they ask about conservatorships or powers of attorney, you know, I say a conservatorship is only for those folks that do not have a valid power of attorney already in place. That's first. And then, but sometimes at the end of the day, a power of attorney is just a piece of paper and we need a little bigger level of authority to actually, if someone's unsafe and they're disregarding their agent's interventions, then a conservatorship is still uh, helpful for those people. I would agree with that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Can, but everybody's not going to just willingly, you know, if they're ignoring their agent under a power of attorney, I got a feeling they're not going to be too excited about being placed under a conservatorship either and may want to contest that. How do they go about contesting a conservatorship? Well, fortunately, the person with a disability simply has to state that they contested based on our statutes in Tennessee, uh, that person that's contesting it will be appointed an attorney at litem. And what that is, that's an attorney that is for the person with the disability to advocate for the person with the disability's desires. Um, and so if a person with a disability is disputing the conservatorship, they can try to provide medical information that refutes the information that is being provided by the petitioner. Um, they can also provide testimony if they um, have the ability to do that um, to support their case. But they have a lawyer uh, that's for them. And that's different than the guardian ad litem, who is really a more a neutral party. 
That is correct. The guardian ad litem is considered the eyes and ears of the court. And so the guardian ad litem is charged with providing information to the judge in addition to the information provided in the petition. And so they are not an advocate for the petitioner, nor are they an advocate for the respondent. That's the person with the disability. Um, and so that person is is charged with providing information to the court. So they will make sure that the person with the disability has been served with the petition and then determine if the person with the disability uh, needs a conservatorship based on the information that they found. They may interview um, doctors if necessary. They will do conduct interviews with those interested parties, especially the one who is asking to be appointed the conservator over the person. And then the guardian ad litem uh, will make a recommendation on whether the person with the disability will be attending the hearing or not. Um, and what their ultimate dis- determination is as to who should be the conservator, if anyone that's named in the petition. And so they have a much bigger job um, and much different job than the attorney at litem whose sole job is to advocate for the wishes of the person with the disability. Wow, that was a mouthful, right? I mean, that, that's a whole lot of attorneys involved. Um, so, you know, what's always surprised me is that it's not uncommon to have uh prospective clients come in and talk about wanting to avoid probate because they don't want the expense or the aggravation or hassle, the hassle factor of probate to fall on their heirs, their families. But people often, they're just oblivious to the whole idea that if they need a conservatorship, what kind of expense and Talk about a hassle factor. I mean, if it's necessary, it's a it's a great safety net. And I know it wouldn't happen if it wasn't necessary. But you I mean you really could avoid a lot of a lot of conservatorships if people would have the right powers of attorney in place, right? Right. Most most definitely. And when people call my office, many times I will let them know because sometimes people will call and ask about conservatorships generally or inquire as to if they can get a conservatorship for an individual. And I will let them know that if the person has the capacity to sign a power of attorney, um, I think everybody should get a durable power of attorney for health care and a power of attorney for themselves. Um, and even a living will uh, would be helpful um, so that the person, every person has the ability to make decisions for themselves and how they would like things to go should they not have the ability to make those decisions in the future. And so that those are three instruments that could be used and not all of the instruments that could be used to help a person make those decisions for themselves should they become incapacitated. Right. And that just, it always, I mean, people do recognize they will eventually die. So they know probate or how their assets are going to pass is in their future somewhere. But most people live in denial of the thought of being incapacitated. Um, maybe it's just something too terrible for us to like to think about. Yes. Well, eventually conservatorships are going to end. They're either going to end because the, um, the ward or the conservatee passes away and then we we close it out with the courts but what if the conservator actually gets uh, the conservatee gets better and they don't need a conservatorship anymore can we terminate it then 
Yes, we most definitely can. Um, and our office actually helps to do that for individuals. So if a person with a disability um, or a person that was determined to have a disability feels that they no longer need a conservatorship, um, some they can contact our office uh, and we will relay the information to the courts so that a hearing can be set for them. But they can also contact the clerk's office or the court directly um, based on Tennessee statute. It doesn't have to be a formal petition that's coming from the person with the disability. They can simply make that statement, write that statement on a note uh, and let the court know that they no longer need it. Now, in order for that conservatorship to be actually terminated, a hearing will need to be set. And then the person with the disability will need to show that they no longer need this conservatorship medically. And so what is recommended is that they get uh, their physician and it must be a doctor to sign the report of physician form stating that they no longer need a fiduciary. And so that can be provided to the court in addition to testimony uh, to the court for the judge to determine that conservatorship is no longer necessary. I've seen um, that happen many times. And sometimes uh, the person with a disability may still require a conservatorship of some kind, but certain rights are restored to them during that hearing process and others are left to um, continue on until the person with the disability fully recovers. Um, and so fortunately in Davidson County, it's a, it, I've seen it to be a simple process, uh, especially when the person with the disability calls our office or we've done welfare visits for quite a few individuals who have been determined to no longer need a conservatorship. So we'll go out or schedule an interview with them and it's discovered that they are now married and have a full-time job and living a healthy, normal life. And so um, that is something that rises to the level that we would need to tell the court. And so we provide that information to the court and request a review hearing for those cases as well. Wow. That, is, that gives people hope. Um, I, I know. Well, maybe we'll, maybe we'll both see uh, a state office of conservatorship management before we retire, Amy. If I have anything to do with it, there will be a state office of conservatorship management within the next five years. Well, that, that's a that's a lofty goal. And, and I hope that happens. Thank you for talking with us today. And, and that's it for today's episode. I want to thank our listeners for listening. Take Us McGinnis is a life care planning law firm helping families respond to the legal and financial challenges caused by chronic illness or disability of an elderly loved one. Join us next week for another episode of Aging Starts Now. Thank you for listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast. For more information about today's show, visit tn-elderlaw.com, click on the free resources tab, and then click on Aging Starts Now. You'll find the show notes there. And while you're at it, why not check out all the free resources available at tn-elderlaw.com? Document downloads, the Take Us McGinnis blog, educational videos, informative articles, helpful links, a TV show, and more. It's all there free for the taking. If you enjoy listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, please subscribe, rate the show, or leave us a review. It's easy to do on whatever app you use to listen. We would love your feedback on the show. Aging Starts Now. We'll be back next week with more candid discussions about challenges created by aging, disability, and unexpected illness. 